This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question today, who is the National Teacher of the Year and what's her deal? Well, I'm really excited to welcome our <laughs> guest, Mandy Manning. Yay. She is 2018 Washington State Teacher of the Year and 2018 National Teacher of the Year. What? She teaches English and math to refugee and immigrant students in Newcomer Center at Ferris High School in Spokane, Washington, where she and her student or she is her student's first teacher once they arrive in the US. And as you can tell, I read that off the internet. Is this true, Mandy? Yes. <laughs> the long and short of it, yes. That is what I do. So you're the first person that students encounter, or the first teacher that they encounter in the system? Mm-hmm. So my students have only been in this, in our country for three months or fewer, wow. and they speak almost no English. So they have not attended school before in the United States, because if mm-hmm. they have attended school, even if it's only a week, it excludes them from my classroom. Oh, really? Which is wow. kind of weird, but... Yes. So you're, they go all the way to Spokane to be in a newcomer center in the middle. I've, I kind of picture it as the middle of nowhere, which is very my like urban, this side of the mountains attitude. But I mean, Spokane's not small. No, Spokane is actually competes with Tacoma for mm-hmm. the second largest city in the state. Hey, and cool. so, but it's surrounded by rural areas. So I can understand why people have that view of Spokane, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, if you look like... Politically at the state, yeah, it mm-hmm. makes sense that you would think it was smaller. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. True, true. Well, so let's back it up a little bit because there's a whole bunch of questions we have. We yeah. are going to link to Mandy's bio because her bio is insane. Cool. There are so many things that you've done, and I want to start with some like deep dives back in the day. Can okay. I, before you do, can I ask, so you teach English and math? Yeah, I teach, <laughs> okay. There needs some clarification okay. here because I teach math, but I teach the language for math. Okay. Oh, okay. So That's I focus cool. mostly on the academic language, yeah. and then the skills are there, mm-hmm. but I'm not assessing if they've mastered the skill. Right. I'm assessing if they've mastered the language for the Associated math concept. Associated with the skill. So it's more Got like it. English language development. Isn't that what it yes. is? Yes. Content area mm-hmm. English. Yeah. Language. Oh, okay. okay. See, I read English and math, and I was like... I have a I have endorsements in English and social studies. <laughs> if I had to teach math, I think that I would find a new career because it's not my it's not my area of expertise. But so word on the internet awesome. is that you have a bunch of degrees. And so first of all, I saw you have a degree in fiction writing. I do. Is this true? That's, that's my most recent degree. Nice. Uh, I have a master's of fine arts in fiction writing uh-huh. from the Northwest Institute of Literary Arts, which is now defunct. But when I was there, it was like fully. Wait, why is it defunct? When you were there, it was funked. Well, (laughs) is that really? That's not. I don't know. I made that up. Functional. (laughs) Functional. There you go. Well, it's on Whidbey Island, and it was the first um, program that was not backed by a major university. It was sort of like Mm. homegrown, and it was amazing. It was this low residency program, and we'd come together twice a year, and it was like all intimate and nice, hippie and and white, a little (laughs) bit, and, and kind of older. Oh, and because yeah. um, <laughs> you had to be able to afford to stay on with yeah. the, um, and so, um, but but then it kind of went under mm-hmm. because it couldn't sustain. It should have stayed small. Yeah, and yeah. it tried to, tried to grow. Tried to grow. <laughs> Got too big. Well, you also have a degree in communications. Mm-hmm. I have Where'd a master's. Get, where'd you get your degree in communications? From West Texas A&M University down okay. in Texas. And then I thought I saw a degree in electronic media and filmic arts, which I didn't know was a word, even though I feel like I should have known that was a word. Yes. What is that degree? <laughs> it's it's essentially filmmaking. Oh, okay. I, I focused on producing and screenwriting. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So of all That's your degrees, awesome. you also have two teaching certs, two different teaching certs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of all your degrees, which one is your favorite? Oh, <laughs> my MFA in fiction writing, of course. <laughs> I My most useful has been communications, yeah. for sure, because, like, 
everybody should really get a degree in communications, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to go into education because yeah. it's mostly interpersonal. Yeah. And you really learn a lot about human beings in a communications yeah. program. Yeah, that's a good hot tip. Yeah. So what's your um, worst thing that you either created to get one of those degrees or like the worst fiction story you ever wrote? Like something you look back on that you're like, Ooh, oh, that was trash. That was not good. <laughs> Oh gosh, you know, I don't know because I don't always go back and read. Yeah. I th- well, I think I think <laughs> my attempt, yeah. my really really sad attempt at writing a picture book, <laughs> yeah. I was not so good because I um my the main thing I like to write is horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, I like to write horror stories and novels, and so um, it's kind of true to real life now, though. In some I, ways, you could use some inspiration. Maybe no? a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so yeah, my attempt at writing a children's picture book. Maybe if I it could have been like a dark, <laughs> maybe I would have done better. Yeah. But I did this thing about this sheep in a tutu, and it was what? so terrible, you guys. And I had like some really faulty rhyming. I, it was bad news. <laughs> my worst piece of writing was for this um, fiction class. My professor challenged us all to like try to get published. You know, so we had to submit the like letters that said, you know, like we'll yeah. look over your work. We had to at least he would take us out for dinner if at least one person in the class got like an acceptance for their like pieces of trash. And so um, I submitted a piece of writing. I thought I was like really good because uh, it was like a mystery and like it was an out of body mystery. And then at the end of the short story, the girl like looks down from the sky and like sees her body and like all this stuff. My professor was like, no, this is <laughs> confusing. There's no characters. Like, what are you doing? And I felt really sad. So I thought it'd be interesting to know. Like it's existential. Yeah, yeah that's it's, it. Yeah. It's I'm like deep. a sophomore in in college. Like, yeah, oh, so thoughtful. So what's was there anything you've written recently or ever that like you're really proud of? Because you got the worst, like the worst of it. Like what's the thing that you've written that you're like, oh, that's actually worth rereading or sending to be published or? Uh, so I've I've had a few stories published, and so um, which you can you, you can find some of them on the internet. <laughs> um. So and I, you know, I don't know because it's hard to judge your own writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories is um, one that I is in a, just a really crappy anthology, like a crappy <laughs> anthology. But, but your my, story shines. Well, it's a flash fiction, oh. so and it's called it's in it's in this anthology called Daily Bites of F- Flash. <laughs> And it's a horror <laughs> anthology. And the the reason that I like the story is because when I very first met my husband, mm-hmm. he was like, write something for me. Oh. And so I was like, okay. You know, <laughs> and I don't at the time I don't think he really understood like the workings of my writer brain. <laughs> and so I wrote him this little short flash fiction story and I took it to him and I was like, um, so I have this story. <laughs> I was like, I, you told me to write your story, so I went home last night and I wrote a story, and I don't want you to break up with me. <laughs> oh no! And, Did he die? In it? I'm like waiting. <laughs> he was like, and no, he doesn't die. It's because you know it's fiction, so it's not. It's not really about us, right? Right. <laughs> but it's about. Um, it's called consumed. Oh. And it's about these two people who meet online, and my husband and I met mm-hmm. online. Which, you know, I don't know. I don't even know about that. <laughs> you, you, Wait, which website just for? Match. Oh, okay. Match.com. This was years ago, though, Sounds before legit, yeah. people were exchanging inappropriate <laughs> photos. Um, <laughs> so the two people meet after they meet online in a park, and they exchange only a few words before they, you know, come together to in an embrace. And then essentially what happens is he proceeds the man proceeds to eat the woman um, from head down. And at the end, she's like, this is it. This is love. And so I was a little nervous to give it to my husband. Yeah. What was his reply or his he response? He was like, oh, like, cool. This is, this is great. It's like that teacher response where you're like, I really appreciate the effort yeah. that you put into this. Thank you yeah. for the care. But then it got published. So then it was okay. Oh. But... But most of my stories, he's like that. Because yeah. most of my stories, he's like, what? I, where did this come from? And, <laughs> and I'm like, the woman's experience. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Have you ever played the card game Gloom? 
No. Your story reminds me of that. And basically the goal of the of the game is to like put curses on everyone or to put curses on yourself so that you all your characters die off first. Oh. But everyone's like running around trying to curse themselves and bless each other. And there's these kind of like really cool see-through cards and they kind of layer up point values. So like depending on how many diseases you have and like what kind of weird what? things, I feel like it would be up your alley. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's I pretty fun. It. I love wow. it. It's super weird. Yeah. Um, so back to business. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good. So you were in the Peace Corps? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where were where'd you where were you stationed when you were in the Peace Corps? I served in Armenia. Okay. And um, for uh, Armenia is a little bit more well known now that the internet yeah. exists because <laughs> um, I'm a little bit older. And uh, but when I first got invited to serve in Armenia, I have to admit I didn't know where mm-hmm. that was. Where did you grow up originally? I grew up. I went to elementary school in Spokane. Oh, okay. I went to mm-hmm. middle school down in California, and I went to high school at Federal Way High. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. cool. Like, over. Real close by. So can you talk a little bit about your journey from, like, the Peace Corps, Armenia, yeah. to Spokane, and what you're doing now? What yeah, that, like, how did you go like? from being, like, in Armenia and the Peace Corps and, like, that experience transitioning to where you are now? Like, what was the, what was the journey like? Yeah, with no education degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now you got, like, a million degrees, but. But none of them in education. If you know, oh, yeah. Well, you're teaching yeah. credentials. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. What are the choices that you made with that? Why did you do that? Well, after film school, I was like, I don't want to be a filmmaker because mm-hmm. yeah. people are kind of mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And, <laughs> and I don't. I'm not. Not that I'm not thick skinned, but you kind of have to be able to be mean too. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. not very good at being mean. Yeah. And so I just was like, well, I'm not going to make it very far in this business. And so, and plus, I just decided I didn't want to do that because I like writing more than I like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. filmmaking sure um and so i didn't know what i was gonna do and so i uh i would just happened upon uh, my friend was like hey i'm a paraeducator mm-hmm. you should come and be a paraeducator because we need another one mm-hmm. and i was like okay <laughs> that sounds cool what is yeah. it <laughs> um and i ended up working for a year in shelton high school as a paraeducator and oh, a designed, i didn't know that yeah design because i was a paraeducator in shelton school district too no way but at the alternative school right mine, after i graduated from college that's so cool mine was at um shelton high school yeah in design instruction and so that it's a year, good gateway i feel like if you're thinking mm-hmm. about education like become a paraeducator try it out, try it out yeah. see how you feel about it and yeah. see if you like kids yeah. at the end of it it's kind of like when people are like oh i want to have a bunch of kids i'm like work at a daycare right. do some babysitting right. <laughs> i just did um, some interviews with my seniors and one of my seniors said that she wanted to be a nurse but her plan along the way she's getting her cna this summer mm-hmm. and then she's going to start volunteering in a bunch of different places while she's in school and and I was just thinking, I wish I'd had that kind of presence of mind or thoughtfulness when I was like 18 to be like, well, maybe I should take some baby steps and <laughs> see if that's what I actually want to do. But yeah. So you yeah. started out as a para. And, mm-hmm. then... and then, but I'd already applied to the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. So I was only a para for a year. And mm-hmm. I oh, actually yeah. coached Special Olympics basketball oh, that year. Oh, and nice. that was my favorite part. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and then I was in the Peace Corps for two years, and I taught, because what mm-hmm. do you do with someone who has a filmmaking degree in Peace Corps? You teach English. Well, you can't, like, <laughs> dig, whatever. It's like, they have engineers or whatever who, like, yeah. make clean water routes yeah. or whatever. I barely know, but. Yeah. yeah. Dig latrines. Yeah, it's like, dig you either do that, infrastructure stuff, yeah. or you teach English, right? Yes, yeah. 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 Or small business. There's a lot of small oh, okay. business. What um, country did you want to go to? I had no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mom made me make some promises about where I would not go. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was like, oh, but yeah. So okay. but I ended up in Armenia, and it was it was very interesting because it's way different. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody should have experiences that are way different. Yeah. yeah. I actually think everybody should just be in the Peace Corps. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? How come? Because well, it's different than you think. Peace Corps promo right now. It's yeah. different than you think. It's mm-hmm. really about cultural exchange. Huh. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, some people have this idea that, oh, the Peace Corps, you go out and you do these amazing things for these countries that need it. No, it's not really about that because Mm -hmm. you're you're not there long enough to really, you know, have an impact. You're pretty much alone in your communities most of the time. Mm -hmm. And you're teaching English like that's not going (laughs) to. Like you're you're not you're not saving anything like doing that, but you but you are, you know, exposing their culture to you mm. as an as a someone from the United States, and then you're learning so much about them. And so the idea really is about that cultural exchange mm. and then bringing that experience back to the United mm. States and continuing that kind of work. And so that I think that's ultimately what actually led to me being a teacher. Oh, really? Because mm. it was such an interesting experience to 
because you have an opportunity when you're a teacher to really get to know people mm-hmm. all the time. And there are people who are just learning how to be people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love working with teenagers for that yeah, reason, right? Too. They're exploring yeah. that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a hot mess too, but I'm a billion years older than you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's a journey, right? It's yeah. totally yeah. a journey. And I think it keeps you like, it reminds you that you, there's still so much of life, mm-hmm. no matter where you are, mm-hmm. because you should never lose that like wonder and curiosity yeah. Yeah. and Good. and potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that's what happened in the Peace Corps. I mean, it was a cultural exchange, and it was awesome, and um, also really, really hard because you're like, mm-hmm. you, usually people who join the Peace Corps it's like their first time out of the country. Yeah. yeah. So it's the whole time you're like, <laughs> I miss my family. This is so awesome. I miss my family. This is so amazing. And it's just constant up and down. So many feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I moved to Texas, uh-huh. which was way worse culture shock. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, because even though you're in America, yeah, because you have the you think, well, we're all from the United mm-hmm. States, but no, it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. Just like in Armenia, like people from Aloe Verde, where I was, are not the same as people from Yerevan. Like you don't. You, there's so many things. How's your Armenian, by the way? Um, it's not so awesome. <laughs> it used I used to be super good. I could read and oh, write, cool. and awesome. I could like if forced. Yeah. I could still read and write, but... Like uh, first grader or whatever. It would be hilarious. Like I can say, Baredzes and uh, Barijanapaj and all these things. Those sound really positive, are they? Like, Uh, Baredzes is hello, and Barijanapaj is good journey. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And, and like, Vochinch is I'm okay. Inchkachka, what's up? Oh, nice. Those are useful. Those are useful. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So what was the takeaway from your Texas experience, then, after the culture shock? That... You're always going to encounter people who are different and have different opinions, Mm -hmm. philosophically, politically, in every kind of way. Mm. Um, But they are human beings, Mm -hmm. and they care about things, and they have hearts and ideas, and there's a reason that people feel and believe the way that they do. Mm. And that it's totally possible to connect across that difference Mm -hmm. and, um, and develop some, like, just compassion for each other mm-hmm. and you may never like agree because I there's no like <laughs> I, I was in small town Texas and, mm-hmm. and then I was in Amarillo so like being from the Pacific Northwest like there was no way that we were going to be able to mm-hmm. eventually come to the same yeah. conclusions about things but there are some universal truths like right. everybody cares about the people who are close to them right. and, yeah. and everybody has feelings and mm-hmm. everybody has dreams that they want to achieve. And so there are some some things that we're always going to have in common, mm-hmm. even if we are like polar opposites yeah. Yeah. in the way that we think and go about what we yeah. do. So after Texas, that's when you came up to Spokane? No. Back. Oh, there's more. Where'd you go by way of? <laughs> then I went to Japan. Oh, okay. And I taught for that's two right. years in Sapporo. Uh, and that was really fun. That was with the JET program. It was way oh, different cool. than the Peace Corps. Yeah, because w- Japan, yeah. like, this, yeah. This, yeah. Um, Highlights from there. What would you say? Uh, it was super safe. Mm. Mm. Like you could go, you could be out at three in the morning all by yourself, wandering around, mm-hmm. and it would like, mm. it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the best skiing in the what? world. And I'm not a skier. <laughs> like I never skied. Yeah. Wait, it's not like Whistler or what? what's our Crystal Mountain? <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. It's like I won't ski. Like, it's so good skiing in Sapporo where I learned to ski with a bunch of little tiny Japanese kids. Cool. Uh, that I won't ski over here. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Because it's so nice. You don't want to spoil the but memory. But you were teaching there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Skiing yeah. in Japan. Yeah. I taught in, like, what, what we would consider a technical school. Okay. And so. What did you te- What subject did you teach in Japan? English. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I taught, like, I, my second position, my first position was at a middle school there, and mm-hmm. I was more like an assistant. And they'd, you bring me in the room, yeah. and they'd be like, repeat after Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be like, Native hello. Speakers, yeah. Yeah. So it was more like, you know, I felt a little bit like a zoo animal. <laughs> Uh, but then I went to the commercial high school, and then I was really, like, mm. working on curriculum and developing things. And uh, I had a teaching partner, and she and I developed a curriculum around teaching English through debate. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. It was really cool because you, yeah. 
culturally, mm-hmm. opinions are not so it's not mm-hmm. like it in the United States yeah. where we think everyone needs our opinion. Right. And we'll <laughs> and freely give that to everyone yes, whether they want it or not. Yes. In Japan it's not like that. So we had to talk we had to start like with well what is an opinion mm-hmm. and how do you share your opinion? Hmm. So hmm. it was interesting. What yeah. do you think you learned about teaching or yourself through that experience? Uh I I think just that kids, teenagers are like the same everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. They're looking for who they are. Mm-hmm. They're trying to show you who they are through their who they are through their outfits and like trying to hit their developmental milestones, but not realizing mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. Yes. Yeah, and they're all hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no matter. Teenagers where are you super are. funny. It's so, so funny. it's so funny. I think people in the states sometimes we, especially like in education, whatever scenarios, people are like, "Oh, look at those kids over in blank, whatever like the country of the moment is, right?" And I think about that with I've done some teaching in China, and so thinking about that, people are always like, "Well, those Chinese kids are just this, this, and this," and it's like, no, they're kids too. Like some of those kids mm-hmm. have ADHD too. They also want to look at their phones. They're trying to figure out who they are. They have their own version of Snapchat, like that the Chinese government allows and has created. You know, yeah. like it's all <laughs> kind of the yeah. same, same, and, and it's so funny how we talk about these like ideals and it's just yeah people are people well and we also don't look at systems right (laughs) it's so funny because we compare we compare our system to other systems that are like so completely opposite they're not even like apples and oranges like apples apples and zucchini or Or, or apples and a baseball like it's just not the same thing (laughs) i mean it's crazy and yet we're like nope test scores and i'm like well they can take their tests over and over until they get the score they need i don't also also um standardized tests like only measure certain uh, certain things and the time when you take them matters and it's unethical to use them for high stakes testing anyway so we use it as a justification for oh yeah Mm -hmm. well we should you know hammer in testing but you know well because we look at the chinese model but again like you're saying the system is different like the country's values are a little bit Mm -hmm. different and what their structure is and because school is paid for and some of those kinds of things it's like a whole different uh, situation or even i I get really mad when people compare us to sweden they're like let's do what sweden did well their infrastructure is different they're a homogenous country um they're their just values are different in the way that it's like played out so they're able to make different kinds of choices than we are yeah and we have to do with we have to figure out what to do with our system and with our values here yeah and that it's just going to look different yeah and i'm a strong believer that your school system in each area needs to meet the needs of the specific area Mm, in which Mm -hmm. the school resides yep and so that's going to look different i mean our nation is huge yeah. It's mm-hmm. a huge nation, mm-hmm. and people don't understand that. But like Armenia, it's a whole country, and yeah. it's only the size of Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Maryland's one of our tiniest states, yep. and even states over on the East Coast don't understand how g- huge Washington yeah. is or California. Like yep. you don't. There's just no concept of. And so every place needs something different. Hmm. Yeah. And so and that's the other thing. We're always talking about systems, right? But we shouldn't be talking about systems as a system. We should be talking about systems that are created in response to the needs of the community. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've been traveling a lot with the national state teacher or national, sorry, I keep saying state, <laughs> national teacher of the year work. And so thinking about what you're saying about systems, what are some of those places that you visited? I mean, you don't have to shout anybody out or throw anyone under the bus, but like thinking about some of those things that you've seen or that maybe you yourself are realizing you didn't realize that you didn't realize this thing. Is there anything that pops out to you in that experience? For sure. Well, number one, I just want to say, because I, I have been to school districts across the state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that in every single school that I visited, something awesome was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And not because the powers that be took me to like the greatest school. Mm-hmm. No, it's just that it may not be that the entire school is operating the way that we would ideally want it to. But yeah. there is good. There are good things happening in every single school. Mm-hmm. And there are teachers doing wonderful things and there are kids getting their needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that was so profound to me, the experience was when I visited Jenny Tenney. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the region 105. Okay. Um, state teacher of the year this year and she uh, teaches on in white swan which okay. is on the akama reservation oh, okay, okay. Yep. Yeah. it's like so it's like the middle of the state for those people who don't really know yeah washington it's like northeast of the city of yakima yeah. okay and you, 
So you have to, like, drive really far out of the way to get there. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, you're going to get lost, so I'll just meet you, and then we'll drive together. And so I did, and and so we met in Yakima, and we drove together to White Swan, and we're driving and driving and driving and driving. And, of course, I didn't have cell service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. T-Mobile? No? (laughs) That's something that needs to be... Remedied, <laughs> but we talk like we just make assumptions about technology and data and mm. all that stuff. And there are places right. that don't have it. Yeah. And so she was right; I would have gotten lost because my Google Maps would have stopped working, and which is hilarious. <laughs> but um, so I, we go out there, and then we we cut we start to come into this. I would I even hesitate to say town, mm-hmm. um, because it it looked like we weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, so this is the outskirts of White Swan. And I'm like jaw on the floor mm-hmm. because the level of poverty that I mm-hmm. witnessed just driving into White Swan was not what I would have ever expected. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, – I've never seen I've never seen anything like it in the United States. And I know that we have areas that have poverty, mm-hmm. but I'm talking – Poverty, yeah. like there was not a single home that didn't have plywood on the windows, mm. like I'm, and I'm not yeah. exaggerating. There were houses that had burned down that were still standing. Mm-hmm. There were people. There was FEMA housing mm-hmm. that had been f- like from it had been used in New Orleans and then put up here because mm-hmm. they had this big fire. Mm-hmm. So there's constant reminders of this fire everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The there was only like two businesses or even maybe just one business which was a gas station the public library had um chain link fence around it with barbed wire on Mm. the top with padlocks so Mm. people couldn't go in there Mm. it was i've never seen like i've seen things like that but not in the middle of washington state right Mm -hmm. yeah and so and then so i started to think and the school itself was very lovely Mm -hmm. i mean of course, it's going to look lovely amongst in within this town. But and it was clearly a point of pride for the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had they flow fly the Washington flag and the United States cool. flag, but they also fly the the Yakima Nations flag, mm-hmm. and um, and they had Native art, and they you know they really take a lot of pride. And then when you walk into the school, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. and the students are all there. And but if you soon as you walk outside, it's also surrounded by chain link Mm -hmm. and padlocked even during the day Mm -hmm. and if you think about walking outside of that building or even entering that building every single day and you what you see as you look out the windows Mm -hmm. I can like kids are thinking one of two things they're either thinking why am I even here Mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of hope in an environment like that Mm Or they're thinking, I'm going to work the hard as hard as I can so I can leave. Mm-hmm. And neither of those are serving the community. Neither mm-hmm. of those, you know, mindsets are serving the community well because we need people to mm-hmm. build the community up. But then, mm-hmm. after that experience, I was like, what is going on? I mm-hmm. want to know more. And so, and, and even just luck, I don't know, you know, those Google algorithms and Facebook <laughs> algorithms, those are kind of creepy. They yeah, like right. It's like they read my mind and I started to get all of these articles about mm-hmm. sovereign nations mm-hmm. and sovereign land and federal regulations on, um, the tri- on tribes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I found out so many things. So we make so many assumptions mm-hmm. about our na- Native American communities, our indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. And we are like so mistaken. We are so mistaken because they ha- there's federal regulations on sovereign lands that like prevent yeah. Native Americans from owning their homes. Mm-hmm. They things that would take us like six months to get a permit to build something takes that can take them eight years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can never happen. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that govern what they can and cannot do on what we consider sovereign, mm-hmm. which right. is supposed to mean free. Yeah land and that they cannot mm. rebuild mm. they can't like if they if their plumbing goes out too bad you yeah and history teacher isn't it also depending mm. on the tribe too and like what was negotiated mm-hmm. in their original treaties yeah is that and, part of that? and how i mean how 
blatantly treaties are violated too right. because that varies from tribe to tribe and place to place yeah. um just the kind of historical treatment by the by the federal government in terms of um treaty violations mm-hmm. yeah yeah so as you're i mean you're seeing a lot of that here in washington state and then you're also aren't you as a national teacher of of the year, you get to see this in yeah, other places have you as seen, well. Have you been traveled to other states? And not yet, not yet. But okay. I, I start traveling in the middle of June. Yeah, okay. and so, I, and I have told, I've expressed to the Council of Chief State School Officers, who are the governing body for my, for mm-hmm. this yeah. program, I um, have expressed to them that this is one of my interests, mm-hmm. and not because, because you know, I'm new to this. But I understand that we are all complicit. Like, mm-hmm. you, we cannot allow poverty like this to exist in our—like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And the reason it can happen on White Swan is because you have to, like, want to go there. Mm-hmm. So people aren't seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I view my role as, like, just purely exposure— like mm-hmm. let's let's go take a trip. Let's take some pictures. Let's get some little video because you need to see what's happening right in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that idea of being complicit? Like when you're thinking yeah. about we are, who are the we that Who's you're thinking we? about? Yeah. What are you picturing? Is it the system? Is it white people? Like is it everybody? Like what exactly are you picturing? What are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. I think that anyone who doesn't go out and seek to understand mm-hmm. what's happening in their in their neighborhoods and in their towns is complicit. Mm-hmm in keeping communities mm. in poverty mm. or in whatever negative thing is happening to them. Or just even, even in, like, um, darkness, right? Like, in yeah. like uh, invisibility, right? Yes. Like you're saying about White Swan, that it's a community that is so removed that yeah. it's invisible. Well, and it is invisible. I mean, look how many indigenous women disappear mm-hmm, right. and no one even yep. knows. Yeah. And so, I mean, there are there the people in power— yeah. are definitely the ones that are complicit, which would be mainly white people, mm-hmm. um, our federal government, mm-hmm. for sure. But that's been going on for years and right. years and years. I yeah. mean, yeah. And, and I mean, I blame people as well who write about these things. I just read an article, Time magazine. It just came out this year mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was about the, you know, things that have happened to indigenous communities. And they said in there... They wrote that there was this group called the Friends of the Indians. And I just feel like that's who, also a terrible name. Yeah. Can I yeah. just say? Well, I feel like it's like when you're like, I'm a friend. It's like you're actually not a friend or was right. it? <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, it's it's one of those things that's propaganda to get right. you on, on board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it said um, it talked about how they it, they were the group who said, what well, is this terrible thing? You mm-hmm. might know it's the one about. Um, preserve the man. Oh, kill the Indian, save the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah kill yeah. the Indian, save the man. And so, but it said in there, mm-hmm. it literally used the phrase well intentioned. Well intentioned. That was not in any way well intentioned. That was no. very can I, calculated. Can I just do the shame bell? Oh, yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah, we've yeah, been talking yeah. about a few shameful things, and yeah. my side eye does not translate through this microphone. <laughs> to the microphone. So, the shame bell. Does, that's so. not, that's, yeah, that's not, um, there's no positive intent behind that at all it's about erasure it's about Mm -hmm. destroying people's culture because it's undesirable and un you know unpalatable Mm -hmm. exactly so what do you think about like in your role as i mean you have this this new platform right and Mm -hmm. you didn't know you were gonna get stoy state teacher but then you also didn't go really know you were gonna get national so what are these platforms? I mean, first of all, I think some people don't really know what they are. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, like, what's the difference between, like, the state one versus the national one? And, like, yeah, what do you do you... now? Is this, like, a giant platform? How'd I picture, you... like, a giant pillar. Right. Like, you're, like, climbing up. Yeah. Like, yeah. in that mountain in, um, what's that show from Nickelodeon from the 90s? No. I don't know. The one where they had to climb the mountain. <laughs> Wait. Ma- you know what I'm talking Shame. about? No. Come on. <laughs> it was the uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And you had to climb what? the mountain. Nobody and there was a prize that. at the end. I... Nobody watched that. <laughs> Poo-poo. I watched it. I'm somebody. Okay. <laughs> I you. think I'm older than you. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I have no idea what you're talking bit. about. <laughs> That's okay. Talk about Sesame Street, yeah. Kids Incorporated. I yeah, um, Mr. Rogers. Oh, I love. That. So, what does being Stoy allow you to do? So, as the state teacher of the year, I was invited to talk mm-hmm. to superintendents groups and cool. to different um, education organizations around the state. Like, I just spoke with the state PTA. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and I got invited to do a panel at the equity conference for right. 
Wazda Wasa and AW. Yeah, all the acronyms. All the things. Alphabet soup. Yes. And um, so I get to do things like that. But uh, more importantly, I was able to visit all of the regional teachers of the Mm. year, see their classes, Mm. do some stuff with them. I'm a little bit behind on my blogs about it, but... I mean, and I've been writing about it. Well, and you're not in the classroom um, teaching. You're no. doing these visits and yes. connecting with people. I've been on release from the classroom since January. Okay. And so, but it's mostly focused in the state. Okay. And mm-hmm. I've done a couple of things nationally, but that's been as a result of, like, bringing all the state teachers of the year together mm-hmm. to do to learn about advocacy and different yeah. things and, yeah. and work on, you know, connecting with legislators and things like that. And at just at a larger level. And then, but so National Teacher of the Year is the same thing, only on a national level. So I'll be traveling all over the United States and abroad based on people. The difference is I was setting some stuff up as mm-hmm. the state teacher of the year, like my regional visits and visiting schools and classrooms mm-hmm. that I set all that up. Yeah. The mm-hmm. invitations to speak were invitations, but... Um, but so the difference with the national is that people will invite me, mm-hmm. and then I'll go, and then we, like CCSSO as an organization, will find like schools for me to yeah. visit and different things for me to do in the state cool. that I'm visiting. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to um, continue learning mm-hmm. about some of these things that I'm just now learning about. Mm-hmm. Let's see who our sponsor is today. It's Channel 253. That's odd. Aren't we part of Channel 253? We're advertising on our own network. Yes, Annie, we are. Like Nerd Farmer, Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, and all the other shows. I mean, the reason we're taking a moment of your time is to tell you that Channel 253 has started a membership program. So listeners can be card-carrying members of Channel 253? I don't know about card-carrying. I mean, that's doing the most. But they can join (laughs) and support this podcast and all of our other shows. Why are we asking people to join? I thought we were all rolling around in that sweet, sweet podcast advertising money. Well, that sweet, sweet podcast advertising revenue doesn't pay all of our bills. And for some of what we do, you know, like the free adult civics happy hour events, it doesn't cover any of it. So by asking our community to support through membership, we can cover more costs. Do members get anything for joining? Because I feel like maybe like a discount would be sweet. Like, is there? What's... Heck yeah. Heck yeah. There's okay, a definitely okay. a discount in the Channel 253 online store. Oh, and cool. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love my IWL mug. Um, Yes. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. It's an oversized mug, too. Like it's you could, giant. You can eat soup out of it. I fit like definitely a couple of, oh, yeah. K, K-Pods. Didn't we talk about oh, yeah. K-Pods before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, members will get that discount. And they'll also get a regular-ish email from our other podcasts about our events and other interesting things going on. Plus. Of course, most importantly, intrinsic motivation, the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping our network. That's super cool. I love it. So where can we sign up? Channel253.com slash membership. You can sign up to support what we're doing at Channel253 and, well, I'm just kidding. There's no more and. Joking aside, it means a lot for all of us if you sponsor and join us as a member. And we really appreciate your support. Next time, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye. So what do you, um, wow, what's the right word? What do you, not blame is not the right word, but what do you like think is a factor for why these are some of the things that now you're just learning about? Or I, I think about some of the stuff when we like read something or like I've seen some of the articles you posted online. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that particular issue. Yeah. I mean, what do you think contributes to our own ignorance, even though like we're educators and we're supposed yeah. to be learning stuff all the time? Like, what do you think contributes to that? For educators or for just people in general? Both. Okay, so for educators, I think it's because we really get invested in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. I know for me, uh, whatever's happening in my classroom was dictating what I was learning Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that I stumbled upon the white swan issue was because I had an opportunity to leave my classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then I had this like, well, what am I going to focus on now? And still, of course, I'm always going to be an ambassador for and a vehicle for my story, my students' stories, of course, because that's like center to my message as the teacher of the year. But it also allows me an opportunity to see beyond my classroom Mm -hmm. and at some of the other issues facing 
education and facing our society and our communities. Mm -hmm. And because I think all of that is so tied together so tightly. Mm -hmm. So I think for educators, because we do care, most of us, like we really care deeply Mm -hmm. about the kids in our classroom. And I think anybody who went to White Swan who was an educator would be like, oh, Mm-hmm. And, you know, would then take it upon themselves to, well, hopefully, would then take it upon themselves to learn more, mm-hmm. yeah. to learn more and to help, yeah. you know, um, kind of share, mm-hmm. provide the opportunity for other people to realize yeah. this is what's yeah. happening in our state. Um, and then for community members, I I think we're a little bit... Um, Say it. <laughs> like okay. egocentric. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I think Do that, we have a shame bill for that? Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there. Little, little ding ding. Yeah. I think yeah. it's super easy to just focus on yourself and your yeah. own experience. Yeah. And I don't think we realize the interconnection of everyone together. If we truly understood the interconnection of how like your life and how your life is happening and your mm-hmm. life and how you, how that also also impacts me. Mm-hmm. I don't think we fully understand that. And it's not about competition. Mm -hmm. It's not about like if you're doing well, then that somehow reflects negatively on me. No, it's about if we're building each other up and ensuring we all have what we need, we're going to be this like super strong community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so but people don't. They're just they're so involved in their own dramas yeah i mean yeah. quite honestly that they just don't look outside themselves yeah. and the, yeah. the thing is is that if you do look outside yourself it really makes your own dramas less overwhelming <laughs> that's true it's true because you're focused on something else and yeah. somebody else and gaining perspective so i was thinking about um like what you said there's almost there almost kind of two parts about your new platform, which is that you're expanding your own mind about issues, like issues of inequity that you didn't weren't mm-hmm. you didn't see before, and then you also have the opportunity to encourage other people to mm-hmm. look for those things in their around them. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Even just with their neighbors, yeah. Like think about how it is now with neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I've only met three of my neighbors. Yeah, and. I think that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was little, and I know that we don't, we should never be like, well, when I was little, you know, all the kids were outside playing. And yeah, and that because you know, we, it's things shift times. and change yeah. and it's different yeah. times and people enjoy different things. And that's okay. Yeah. But the thing that is missing is that connection with your neighborhood. Right. And I think that heightens people's fears because when you don't know someone, mm-hmm. when you don't introduce yourself and have some sort of a human connection, you're going to be suspicious of them. Yeah. yeah. I find that like a lot of the conversation I see, especially online um, with folks who are like um, have transphobia or anti-Muslim or whatever, it's really because they've never in- stopped to encounter somebody mm-hmm. who is from that whatever part of life yeah. and part of the world um, and paying attention to them and like engaging yeah. in like an honest and like, sometimes it's even how our neighborhoods are built mm-hmm. like I went yeah. there a few years ago I went on a road trip to southeastern Michigan with my mom which is like the best trip ever it was so fun we drove all the way across the country um, but when we got there I realized something really important that there in some suburbs of Detroit there are neighborhoods where people still sit on their front porch yeah. and not on their back porch mm-hmm. and I thought that was really strange and I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole That's of fun. like reading about like um, neighborhood like um, design and how homes are built now they don't have front porches because people don't sit on the front porch they are really built so that you can live in your home and not have to be mm-hmm. in, interact with people mm-hmm. why do we have attached mm-hmm. garages right like I mean even you know, carports went out of style and it's because people don't want to talk to people when they get out of their car. They want to pull into their garage, close the door behind them and say goodbye world. So it's just like, I mean, just the way we even, our built environment is, we we made it to separate ourselves. Well, let's go back to your point about like people in power who are making these decisions, right? I really think about it's like, this particular class mm-hmm. in society and then we go back to like these middle class or upper middle class like white values right mm-hmm. like it's a different it's not focused on community the same way we see in a lot of other mm-hmm. um, groups of people yeah. and so it's it's interesting in other cultures right even mm-hmm. in the United States and I think about just it's not really a conflict but just that difference that are mm-hmm. are constantly being negotiated right mm-hmm. when you think so when you think about these inequities that you're seeing 
speaking? What are some of the other ones that have stood out to you? And which ones are, what do you think you're going to be speaking more about or like learning more about on this like next phase of your life? Yeah, what are you looking forward to? Well, uh, so, oh gosh, so big. <laughs> it's a really big question. It's a huge but, question. <laughs> um, I, I'm really looking forward to just continuing to, I, I hate to say this, but humanize my mm. students. Okay. Because it's so easy to mm-hmm. other everyone. Can you talk more about and that? What are some of the othering things that happen? So we we well we other we other mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't look like us. Yeah. Or I just recently um, read. Where, well, I listened to it because I drive all the time. That's still reading. I'm gonna <laughs> throw that English teacher. That's still reading. Trevor Noah's yes, Born, Born a Crime. A crime is so good. And it was so good. Yeah. yeah. And um and it was so enlightening about apartheid mm-hmm. and about um post-apartheid South Africa and yeah. also what they learned from things that we mm-hmm. were doing in the United States. And it also was enlightening about how we teach history. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's that little section where he talks about how Germany teaches history as opposed mm-hmm. to how, you know, like and there's no there's just like stating facts and it's not there's no like yeah, recognition that it was horrible. Yeah. Um it's just like that was then and this is now. Um and so so, but because we like, first of all, dismiss things and mm-hmm. brush things under the rug, and we've done that for so long that now we are in a situation where we can't do that anymore. Wait, what do you mean by that? I feel like there's a lot of euphemisms there. Uh, well, okay, Speak so plainly, go okay, for it. So, <laughs> so I think that we can agree. I hope. There, okay, so we're a, a liberal podcast. It's okay. A, like a lot we lean left things. for sure in yeah. the show, and I think so, a lot of our listeners do too. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we are really like we're suffering right now. Yeah. So before my husband, this is something that my husband always did when people would complain about the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. My husband would say, "Okay, so tell me how your life has changed mm-hmm. because of." some policies or something that's happening in yeah. this in, mm-hmm. in the in the Obama administration and they could never say they would just say like well i just i don't know i feel like there's something's going to happen you know <laughs> my guns are going away I feel yeah bad. something's going to happen my feelings are hurt um <laughs> and so but now it's different so you can talk to people directly and you can say okay so now that we have this new administration has your life changed? And literally everyone yeah. can say, yes, and this is how. Yeah. And we're seeing increased, I don't, I think all of these, like the racist, sexist, classist things have always been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are just now empowered to actually say them and do them out yeah. loud. Yeah. Well, they're emboldened, right? Because it's like, oh, totally. I have my backup seems, dancers looks, here supporting what I'm saying about this. It's publicly acceptable because people yes. in high places are, are have made it Accepting okay. It, yeah. and so, yes. Yeah. And um, so, but I would suggest yeah. that while it's highly uncomfortable, it is absolutely necessary that we start to talk about these things mm-hmm. because I believe we are in the position we are now mm-hmm. because we didn't recognize that that there were, you know, race relation issues and sexism and classism. And like, I, I, we still don't even really talk about classism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like. But so but because we have this like crazy uh, crazy administration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are being bombarded with. Yeah. Hey, here's the reality of the United yeah. States, and yeah. that needed to happen. Right. I wish it didn't have to happen the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel that it was necessary. Yeah. Because now it's out. That's interesting. Now mm-hmm. we can talk openly about these things, and yeah, it totally sucks. Mm-hmm. And there are communities in our you know, in our nation that are really, really suffering. Mm-hmm. And but it's out there. Mm-hmm. It's out there, and they were already suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. We were just not talking about right. it. Right. Well, and I was thinking about what you're saying, like, now, and it's almost like overload. But it's like, if you think about different communities have already been experiences, right? So I think about all the folks of color who already have been talking for a long time about race issues yeah. in this country, and white people have just been really easily ignoring those issues because we don't we don't have to pay attention to them in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't pay attention, and we just, like, live in our little mm-hmm. ignorant bubble and pretend it's invisible. Um, and then I think about, like, the issues around, like, 
like sexism, right? And mm-hmm. so for those who mm-hmm. identify as females and women, like we know, we it's been around forever, right? We like yeah. we know about it, yeah. and so then now finally, some it seems like more public conversations are happening. Well, whether it's, it's in, Me Too, or yeah, it's incredible whatever, right? to see. Like on Twitter, there was a woman who posted. Hey, comment if you've ever been in a situation where a man made you pressured you in in a you know an yeah. intimidating way, and you um, you had to walk away and you were afraid. And it, there were two thousand comments, yeah, mm-hmm. and they were all women just saying yep. like, "His happened to me." And it was, yep. I mean, it's just like just the fact that um, it's someone posted that, and yeah, it could have been posted a few years ago, but you made I don't know if you would have had the same volume of people responding and. I don't know. There's no way to know, really. But well, to your point, it's like a flood, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so those things that we once like hid or pretend were invisible really aren't. And in, mm-hmm. I think yeah. in some ways people feel hopeless because of it, though, too. Like and feel a bit overwhelmed that there's all these different issues. So what what issue am I fighting about, or what issue do I need to learn more about? And so I, it's been interesting the conversations to be had around these different areas. Yeah. How do we keep pushing ourselves to have them, even if they're yeah. uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Well, and it is like I. So since we named uh, the National Teacher of the Year, the fallout from the entire White House experience was nothing that I could have ever Mm -hmm. imagined happening. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I made a conscious decision to wear my pins Mm -hmm. um, because I needed my various communities that I work with to understand that I was in this house that makes them feel isolated and alone Mm -hmm. and alienated. And I was there for them, 100% from the moment I stepped in until the moment I walked off that stage and left, I was representing them. Hmm. And Can you recap them. the pins? I know some people have read, like, links in the whole yeah, experience. Yeah. So I, just recap what, just what, what are your highlight pins. Because we, I mean, we're aware of it because we're clued into things that are happening, mm-hmm. And but for folks who don't know the story. So I wore various pins, and I yeah. was limited to the pins that I had. Yeah. Um, and in I want <laughs> I want more pins. But um, so I have, I had my shepherd fairy DACA pin, like the dreamer yeah. pin of the woman, yeah. mm-hmm. which everybody equated with the women's march which yes i have been in both women's marches but <laughs> that for me that was meant my you know immigrant students mm-hmm. and not just dacas and daca and dreamers but the my immigrant students and then i wore my re- my peace corps pin cuz that was the only one yeah. that even remotely connected to refugees mm-hmm. uh, and then i wore trans equality now mm-hmm. i wore my rainbow apple and i wore a black pin that said life begins at the end of your comfort zone mm-hmm. because i think mm-hmm. we need to be uncomfortable um, and I was uncomfortable in the White House. Yeah, yeah. you're like Trumpito. All these pins for you. <laughs> so, so I was wearing, so I was wearing these pins, and then yeah. I just a couple like for CCSSO and NEA. Yeah, because they got your national board pin. Get, yeah. Didn't you wear your national board <laughs> one? I didn't. Oh, oh, I it's on my keys though for my oh, nice. Don't worry, your certificate will not be taken away yeah. if you do not wear your <laughs> national board pin. To but the of White course, House. I had the NEA, so the teachers right. union. Okay, yeah, had have that. Um, so I had my pins to show because I have to keep my integrity too. Yep. Yeah. In this environment that I'm like, oh god, it's hostile. He does not support, yeah. and clearly doesn't support because he left out that I teach immigrant and refugee students. So mm-hmm. thank you for mm-hmm. mentioning that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed that's one of the things I've heard you speak a couple times and seen some of your interviews online, and you are very adamant about mentioning that. Because it's important. It's, criti- it's, <laughs> well, critical. it's critical. It's critical work that you do, and it's critical to who you are as a teacher and as a person. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's important just to note that there are immigrant and refugees here in the United States going to school every yep. day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Focused, dedicated, yep. working hard with the intent of literally, in their words, giving back to the country that gave them right. hope. Right. They are going to be productive members of our community. Most of them already are. Their families are trying really hard to be productive members of our community. Mm -hmm. And most of them become citizens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that you're distinguishing that you use the term immigrants and refugees because I think in like ignorant America, um, myself included at some stage, right? Like people lump all of folks together and yeah. it's not the same thing. There's different contexts. There's well, different we had a countries represented. Yeah. There's different cultures represented, right. languages represented. Mm-hmm. It's we're, different needs. We're doing mock Congress with seniors right now in AP government. And one thing that we talked about today, there was a student who brought a bill about um, extending eligibility for DACA, and we were ta- just kind of talking about immigrants and refugees, and 
a student raised their hand and said, but like we just had this bill about because we were doing bills from Congress. We had this bill about Syria. Like, how is this different? And I was like, okay, well, Syrian refugees, it's a completely different experience of being like, you know, in a civil war and leaving your country out of a a need of uh, Mm -hmm. escaping like a crisis versus um, immigrating um, maybe for maybe you're even on a work visa or a student visa. Yeah, just different reasons. And then you okay. apply for citizenship after you've been employed for some time. It's like different different reasons, right? Like, mm-hmm. so dif- the differentiation is really important. And I mean, like, even students, our students who are pretty well educated about issues about immigration and, like, um, they, they still have questions. Like, you know, so it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's also important to note that most of our undocumented immigrants mm-hmm. who come here initially come here documented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, people forget that but all the, the time. the process yeah. is so yep. difficult onerous. Yep. that yeah. what ends up happening is they overstay. Mm-hmm. And so we can make all kinds of cases about, oh, well, they should have left. But what if you have had a family? Yep. What if you started school? Yeah. What if you, there's so many things. What if you are making money and sending it back to your family? And then the other issue is that there are so many communities in our world that are facing very, very horrible circumstances. There are civil wars happening in many nations. Mm -hmm. We just don't recognize them for refugee status. Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. if you think about the people from El Salvador who came in the 80s, they were having horrendous war like yeah. guerrilla warfare and like right, civil yeah. war yeah. in their country, yeah. which we contributed is, to yes, BT Dubs, <laughs> which yeah. led to them fleeing and coming yeah. here just because we as a nation weren't like or the UN or whatever didn't say they they get temporary. Yeah. yeah, they get refugee status mm-hmm. yeah. like we don't. And then there's also t- temporary. What is it called? TP. Temporary, temporary protected status. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't that what, what the folks who were, I don't remember the year that um, said the hurricane in Honduras where yeah. there were a lot of folks, mm. they just, the, the Trump administration just announced that they're revoking the temporary protected status yeah, for people. Crap. And it's like, okay, the people have been here for 20 years. Like, what is... Shame. Like, shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For shame. Yeah. Yes. It's terrible. It is for shame. Yeah. And, because, and they're human beings. And right. that's the thing. And um, just because we're here and we can talk about this. Yeah. Uh, the MS-13 oh my game gosh. business. Get it. So mm-hmm. I, no one wants there to be gangs. Let's right. let's be yes. honest. Yes. Do yeah. you guys want gangs? No. <laughs> no. No one wants gangs. No. <laughs> like no. we don't. We don't want gangs. No. And I actually think about it from the perspective of being a teacher, where like I've known students who have been in gotten themselves into situations where they are at risk and they're in trouble. Um, and it's it hurts our kids and it hurts our communities. So like seeing our kids hurt from it is to me is like the the thing. That's my personal kind of perspective. Well, and I right? think about like, the things that gangs provide, right? Like community, uh, yeah. part of like yep. a family, uh, a sense of identity, all that stuff. To yeah. me, is just very indicative of the fact that we are missing that in our yeah. society. We're missing something. Yes. And yeah. they're fulfilling a role. Yes. Yep. Yes. Even with the criminality component too. But right. like if you look at that, like nobody wants that. People want the good, the good parts of right, like that community. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. nobody actually wants this negative stuff that yeah. actually right. comes. We it. don't want gangs. Like yeah. that's let's just make that clear. <laughs> yeah. Like no one no matter how progressively liberal you are, <laughs> no one wants gangs. <laughs> but the point with the what's going on yeah. with the MS13 stuff right now is that they are suggesting Right. Well, number one they're dehumanizing yep. and you can't dehumanize anyone no matter what they have done. Or you know, alleged to have Preach, done. Yeah. Um, so you can't be calling human beings animals, mm. period, end of story. Mm-hmm. That's like dehumanizing mm-hmm. and it's an, an effort to other people. Yes, exactly. And yeah. to make it so that they're not only othered, but they are less than right. and unworthy of life. Mm-hmm. Also, as a vegan, I object to <laughs> that yeah. for other reasons, which yeah. are that like, okay, comparing people to animals and then saying that like animals are, anyway, it's yes, That's a whole yes. other story for another day, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things that I, I don't know. No, I, right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely unacceptable. Right. And so, but then, but then to also then suggest that all immigrants, particularly those from Central and South America, yeah. are MS-13 gang members. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's totally unacceptable. And I, I don't understand. Like, people will argue with me all day long about this. And they're like, well, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous to have this opinion about and equate MS-13 with immigrants. And I'm like, I'm not the one doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the one saying you can't do that. 
that doesn't mean I'm in support mm-hmm. of gang members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means that please don't dehumanize people. Yeah. We are all human beings. And frankly, if we were a little bit more loving and connected and caring and were interested yeah. in getting to know our neighbors, we wouldn't have that problem mm-hmm. because we'd have communities right there mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So um, so I do want to kind of wrap up like this part of the conversation. Yeah. And I want to ask you, like, as you think about um, all these different issues that you're learning about or that you have always been passionate about, what do you hope to accomplish, like, in your reign as National Teacher of the Year? G-O-T-R. Like, what do you hope to bring to elevate more? And particularly, can you speak a little bit to, like, the role of, like, you as a white lady, mm-hmm. like, doing all this stuff and how that kind of plays out here, too? What, do you, what are you hoping to accomplish and how are you kind of managing to not be the white savior? Right. Because I know that you're anti that Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally anti that. Like... Uh, we can't just we there's that's impossible yeah. anyway. You can't be we're not Aww. heroes, we're not saviors, <laughs> we are educators. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been gifted with this this platform and this voice. Mm-hmm. And particularly mm-hmm. because of the way things went down in the White House, I really have a voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I get interviews and I get to do really cool things to share my students' stories. And I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Is like, I am not an expert. I'm not an expert in the life of a refugee. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in the life of an, in, an immigrant. I'm a white lady mm-hmm. who grew up with a single mom mm-hmm. and in a pretty okay, you know, like, mm-hmm. I have a whole different perspective yep. to life than the students that I teach. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that I not go out there and like I know everything yeah. and I this is what we need to do. No, I need to I need to allow other people to share this that stage with me yeah. and to hand over the mic yeah. and to mm-hmm. be like that's why my kids wrote the letters. Okay. Because I was I told them. I said you guys have the stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is your message. What do you want to say to the president? And then I read them and I was used some of their words so that their their stories could yeah. be out there and then some of them got to be interviewed and you know oh, that's cool. there's really cool things happening because I'm willing to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I got here and I'm like super excited to have this amazing opportunity mm-hmm. and now I need to be like okay here's why I'm really here mm-hmm. for them and they're going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's so you know we we don't as much as we like to, pre- to pretend that we really understand what other people are going through clearly we do not mm-hmm. we yeah. wouldn't be where we are in our nation right now if we truly understood other people's complex lives and the things that mm-hmm. they're going through and we would listen a lot more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have a little empathy uh-huh. yeah so i think we probably should go to our do our fudging homework do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. All right. In this segment, what do you recommend that people go read, go do, um, some kind of homework that they should have? And if you want to slip in, we had a couple listeners ask us if you would talk about ELL resources, which I realized we didn't address. But that's not necessarily the homework. But I wanted to and make sure I mentioned that. And they can ask me that. on Twitter. Okay. They can ask me that. So on ask Twitter. you on Twitter about yeah. ELL resources, and yeah. you can like link to the actual totally, resources. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What would be your homework, Mandy? Um, so number one, leave your house, Mm. leave your house and go meet someone new. If you don't know your neighbors, go knock on their door and be like, Hey, I'm your neighbor. What's your name? (laughs) And it'll be all, it'll be all weird at first, but then (laughs) do it. Or, you know, go to a town that's different than your town and just explore and see what you see. Um, if you're here in Washington, take a trip out to the Yakima Reservation and have a little drive Mm -hmm. um, and just see what you see. And then if you see something or you meet someone that's of interest, do a little research. Find out about them. Uh, I mean, to be a culturally responsive person, Mm -hmm. it's awareness. So you've got to look at yourself. So that's another part of homework. You you really need to establish your social groups so that you know what's impacting your perceptions as Mm -hmm. you walk through life. Because unless you understand yourself and why you think the way you think, you're never going to be able to be open to other people and other ways of thinking, being, and doing. Um, So it's self-awareness. And then get knowledge about the people who are around you. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you— 
you can learn every single thing about like a culture or yeah. a group of people. And it doesn't mean you walk around and go like, you know what I read? I read this article about I'm your very, hair. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very exceptionally informed. Woke. In your culture, do you eat this particular yeah, kind of food? Yeah. I've learned that, that this no. bread is really valuable. May to I you. touch yeah. your hair? Yeah. <laughs> the answer to that is always no. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, and be curious. Yeah. Like if you, uh, the thing is though, is that if you are curious about something, just ask. Don't um, be all like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just ask. And sometimes you're going to be wrong in asking, and then you just have to be like, You have to accept it. Yeah. And apologize. When you mess up, apologize. Don't don't spend all your time feeling guilty and, like, defending yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Or blaming other people for not wanting to educate you about their culture. Like, just accept it. Like, yeah, that's fine. Just be like, like, why are you offended that I offended you? (laughs) Why are you offended? (laughs) Yeah. And just Just apologize and move on. Just apologize. I had to apologize on Monday night. I mean, I I make mistakes (laughs) all the time because I just, we're human. Yeah. We're human. And maybe that's the whole deal. We Mm. are all Mm. human and we need to expect human decency for mm-hmm. every single person. Mm-hmm. And if there are a group of people, like the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. so important, yeah. mm-hmm. and we need to recognize that it's not about saying that white lives don't matter. <laughs> white right. lives have always mattered. Yeah. It's about saying that we need to actually recognize that black lives matter yes. as much as yes. white lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I think it's a great place to end it. That's a really good homework. I feel like I don't even have anything to add. I think it's great. It's beautiful. Thank you, Mandy, so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate you taking the time and your busy schedule. So busy. I'm sad we're not doing guilty phases. <laughs> Interchangeable. White ladies. Oh, wait. You want to say your guilty phases? Just really us? quick, because okay. like I said before, I don't feel guilty about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, everyone knows I'm a teacher, and teachers get a prep period if they're on secondary. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a high school teacher, and I'm going to admit right now, I do not stay in my classroom during my prep period. Oh. I leave the school, and I walk down the block, and I buy a coffee. What? And I go back to school. <laughs> what? With my That's coffee. Awesome. You mean you like have a life like a Microsoft employee Whoa. or like people in other jobs where That's they're so like limited to I love building? That. <laughs> and I love it, and it makes me a better teacher. That's awesome. That's I can't awesome. wait till we have that coffee place like half a block from Lincoln. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it's going to be so but I- <laughs> my My guilty favesy is protein powder. <laughs> Because it's easy to eat, but it tastes like chalk, but it's calories when you don't have time. I like chalk. Dang it, now I gotta do mine. Okay, mine's flare pens or those really fancy pens, but like I'll take fancy fancy pens from different parts of Asia. So, like, there's these amazing Korean pens, there's some really fantastic Chinese pens. I got some like really expensive, good Filipino pens. Like, there are some really nice pens. I don't know what is going on on there. That's awesome. It's because they like really cool things. All right, (laughs) thank you so much, everybody. (laughs) Bye. 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 The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Listen to our other podcasts like Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Crossing Division, Taco Man, and Flounder's B-Team. Can I just just say really quick that every time you say Doug, uh, it totally sounds like you're saying Dad. Dad! (laughs) Doug, no. Dad! Yes! (laughs) Father! Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.